Hey, Marcy. Yes? Did you know there's a crossover comic issue with Shuri, Princess of Wakanda, and Riri Williams, the famous Ironheart? <gasps> Sorry, that was, that was I was really giving you a lot. Um, so I actually didn't. Um, <laughs> damn, you know, if only there was a place where I could, I don't know, get colorful reviews about everything from like movies to like comics to like maybe TV and even cosplay books. I don't know what's causing this like exposition dump, but yeah, I just have all of a sudden this <laughs> urge to get these reviews. Well, it's a good thing you did because there is a place. <laughs> Bro, what? And that, that place is called Black Nerd Problems, which is a website that does all the things that Marcy has conveniently described. So if you're a movie file, a comic enthusiast, they're like, these people do great <laughs> intros. Um, right, thank God. If your friends keep talking about these Marvel movies that you really just don't understand but don't want to feel left out anymore, go to blacknerdproblems.com. Yes, yes, yes. And on social media, you can find them at, really weird how it went from this like very questionary state to like all of a sudden having all the sage knowledge. But anyway, um, so yes, you can definitely find them on social media at BNP Lit, also at Black Nerd Problems on Instagram, as well as find them at BLKNRD Problems on Twitter. So come for the pop culture commentary, stay for the X-Men memes. If it's niche, girl, they got you. But yes, Woo. so let's get to the show. Yes. So hey everyone, I'm Akko. And I'm Marcy. And welcome to another episode <laughs> of the Color Pages podcast. Come on. A bi-weekly internet book club that focuses on fiction, fantasy, and magical realism Come on. written by writers from colorful backgrounds. Hey, yes. And this week we are back with the second half of Tiger Flu by Larissa Lai, a book that we have many feelings and thoughts on <laughs> to discuss. But before we get into all of that, Akko, you know, just per our usual schedule, do you have a little, do you have a question for the girls? Uh, Marcy, are you actually Raven from the early 2000s hit Disney show? That's so Raven. <laughs> honestly i kind of wish i was because like look okay real tea like raven was funny as fuck like honestly that's so raven Truly. like just my God. like just comedy was just television just really we've we really had a time damn um that's what i'm saying shit but yeah i mean i wish i, I was but uh, no I'm, i i just noticed patterns <laughs> through time and i'm like taco typically has like good questions so let's just like <laughs> see if she came up with something <laughs> well you are correct i do have a question yes um so a lot of us kind of have a tenuous relationship with reading. Mm. And I don't know where that starts. Maybe it starts from a young age when we're children. Maybe it's when we're older. And I guess I wanted to ask you, why do people stop reading or if they never really got into reading? Why do you think that is? And mm. is it something that should be changed? And how can we work on it? Or just kind of your thoughts. Huh. That's, oh my gosh, I, I, I actually really love that question because this just resonates so much. I feel like we talked about this in like episode one, but yeah, but super ironically, like we're doing a book club, but like I'm not someone that like was a longtime book lover. Like I feel like the narrative is like, oh yes, we talk about books because I've always read books. And it's like, girl, I mean, I kind of read books, but like <laughs> not really. <laughs> like, I mean, I was like more privy to like watching TV and like shit like that. But, um, but I guess just like from my own experience, I feel like when I look back on my life and not necessarily having like this passion for reading or really like getting much enjoyment out of it, I think a lot of it came from 
like reading being kind of this like prescriptive thing. Like I think being told to read mm. made me not like it in a way that it was like I didn't necessarily have autonomy over what it is that I chose to read. So for example, I think about like the uh oh my god, what was it called? The series of unfortunate events. That Ooh, shit yeah. I was fucking obsessed because like it was something that like I just like thought was really dope, was really interesting, and I just like on my own volition just decided to read it and it was like incredible. And I and like I look at like, you know, even like the Junie B. Jones series, like all the even like children's books where it was like when I really just like decided that I was gonna read something, like it was like lit. But then like being in like school and they're like, Oh, read this book, like mm, I was just like bro like who the fuck like i like i actually don't want to like i i'm mm. zero interest in reading this shit and i think too Wait, marcy yes are you saying that the scarlet letter doesn't fill you with <laughs> a deep desire to continue reading i think i might be saying that like or even for example reading like <laughs> great expectations in high school didn't give a fuck right. didn't care just you know like all of, or like catcher in the rye all these different books it's like literature was always framed as something it was always framed as kind of like this sort of exclusive like almost esoteric medium where mm. it was like it's like you had to have a certain level of taste it, there was this right. layer of like oh like if you've never read this book then like what the fuck is wrong with you or like these are the classics right like this is like this is like this tenant to prove your level of like education mm. um versus just like a way to kind of explore different worlds and like expand your imagination right. and things or like learn about different experiences that aren't your own yeah, like I think when it when literature was framed like that, I was like, well, a lot of these books I don't really give a fuck about. I don't really see anyone in these mm. books that I like really relate to like that. I mean, sure, in some ways, sure, I kind of related to some things, but like for the most part, I was reading a lot of things I just didn't, a lot of them just didn't resonate. And so I assumed that that meant that I just like wasn't meant to really be a reader or like, you know, really get into writing because it's just like something that is like, if I can't enjoy the people that are supposed to be these tenants of this medium, then like, what the fuck is my place here? Like what, like, you know what I mean? Like, mm. why would I even do this? And yeah, I think for me, I didn't really read a whole lot or at least outside of like what was given to me was because I just thought that like, oh, like, I guess this is like, this is just like how books are. <laughs> like, you know, like, it's like, I guess like, I'm just like not meant to enjoy them when the issue was just that I just wasn't reading stuff that really resonated with me or things that I just like, or maybe even things that like, for example, if I were to read them now, I would actually really enjoy it. Like, even for example, right. I actually meant to mention this in a previous episode, but when we talked about um, Drinking Coffee Elsewhere by ZZ Packer, I remember reading that in high school and like mm. feeling lukewarm about it. Like, I was like, eh, it was like fine. Like, you know, like it was like, I mean, I kind of thought, you know, I was all about that gay shit. So I was like, yo, Heidi, like, but like, I was like really into that part. But like, otherwise, I like didn't, a lot of it didn't necessarily resonate as much. But like reading it again, you know, in my adulthood, it was like, oh, wait, this is actually really dope. So I think maybe some of it, even right. too, might have just been like, I was just reading it at a time where it just wasn't really as resonant um but yeah i think the mm. bigger question was just that like yeah i was just reading stuff that i just wasn't really interested in and like there's this layer of judgment if you didn't enjoy something or if you didn't oh or the worst is if you didn't understand something like if you were just reading oh my god i remember there was this class i took in college Ooh, i'm going in oh my god <laughs> like going in <laughs> there was this course i took in college it was all about like postmodern literature and i remember like every book we read was so fucking confusing. Cause like, I mean, the idea of postmodern literature was that like, it kind of plays with the medium of reading. Like, like authors would do these like right. kind of creative things. So yeah, like just kind of like fuck with the, with the medium, which now I'm kind of like, okay, that's kind of like kind of a cool premise, but like, obviously that made things a lot less easy to understand. And so I would read mm. books, be in class and we're like discussing them. And I'm like, I don't, understand anything that happened and people would be like but like how did you not understand it because like this happened and, this, and i'm just like i just didn't understand didn't, yeah. i can read 
I'm literate. Right. I just didn't get what happened or like I didn't understand all of the symbolism or I didn't make all the connections that you were kind of like, or at least I guess was the author's purpose. Like, you know, it's just, I, I think literature always came with a level of judgment that other mediums just didn't. And so I think that's kind of mm. why I was like, hey, maybe this isn't, isn't for me. Cause apparently I like, I didn't like great expectations. So like, am I a reader? You know, like just like <laughs> weird shit like that. Or like, I read like the fucking, Oh my God, what was that? Land of the flies. And I was like, this is ridiculous. I hate this book. <laughs> this is kind of, why was I forced to read this? I know, I know what happened. I just thought it was like, they're like, yeah, like, so like, you know, human beings are just like, just like awful. Like, like if this happened, like people like basically premise, there are these like boys that get trapped on this Island. They, become like really awful and oppressive and like just kill each other essentially and it was kind of like this expression yeah. of like oh like this is just like what human nature is like human. people are just like naturally violent and i'm like i feel like yeah. this is like a like a white colonial thing like i feel like, like i don't right. think like this don't really i don't i really i would venture to say i mean granted i've never been trapped on like an abandoned island but i really don't think i would be out here like killing characters that i thought were weaker than me or just like trying to like one-up everyone else i'm like i feel like this is like very much a white masculinity thing and they're like oh it's just human nature i'm like no it's not everyone's nature right we have to be careful about what we assume is human nature and what is structural come uh, things on. that we've taught and then influence our society that we take it as a default exactly exactly but what do, what do you think well i first of all I thought you were telling him this was great. I was like, wow, Marcy, you really gave us something to think about. And you made me think of a lot of things. Like, Thanks. for instance, just what you just said there. A lot of times when people are giving their opinion of a book, if you didn't get that same interpretation and you're feeling sort of like, oh, you didn't get it, then you start to think that their interpretation is the only interpretation. Right. And therefore, you just didn't get it. But every book should have, I mean, a book is a conversation between you and the text. Mm. And so whatever you got out of it is just as valid. And I think that can be hard when you get into a space where people are being very el elitist with literature because mm -hmm. then all of a sudden you're like, oh, is that how I was supposed to read it? Well, no, if that's not what you got out of it, that's a perfectly legit. I mean, unless you truly, you know, some of us, when we were in high school, we, I, we didn't read the book. Like, oh, plenty of times didn't, didn't it. Oh, yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, <laughs> fine that, that's one thing but if you read it and you're like i didn't get that out of it then you, that's just not what you got out of it and i think that's fair i also think i i agree with you i think from a young age I, there's a couple of things for people of color too and Rika actually touched on this a little bit too of not seeing yourself in the space and not thinking that's that's not what literature mm. looks like or you're not what literature looks right. like I think there's that a lot of times in school curriculums when you don't see a lot of POC writers in your curriculum. Mm -hmm. You know, like The Great Gatsby isn't a bad book. And honestly, neither is Catcher in the Rye. I actually think they're very complex novels that mm -hmm. speak very deeply about a complex post-World um, War One experience. But mm -hmm. there isn't enough literature by other writers that speak to other complex views. So yeah. when you're sitting there, mm -hmm. you you don't you get lost you don't think it's about you or you just don't care you're it's something about you isn't being spoken to and mm -hmm. that turns a lot of people off and i also think there are low literacy rates in the country and in the sense that we don't necessarily always focus on black and brown kids learning literature and mm -hmm. getting to read and having that experience and that's why libraries and our friend who's a librarian who's amazing there are so many things in there that can be barriers to access mm. and like so she told me this thing that i think is amazing she's like i don't if a kid's book is late i don't give them a late fee 
because I'm like this child mm. isn't in charge of their pocketbook and they have no way or a car or right. you know we, we live in a car based society there's no way for this kid to get to the library right. and turn in the book on time that's their parents fault so I'm not going to hold it against them they can always get a book right. and I think it's stuff like that there's lots of barriers to access and not enough focus on literacy for kids and, and I think once it becomes difficult it starts as you're saying which this isn't you because mm-hmm. you don't have that problem but right. for other people who do you know you get to eighth ninth grade and you don't want to tell anyone that you're bad at reading you right. know what i mean like you don't want to say i can't read that's people find that so difficult i think that turns mm-hmm. a lot of people off books as well and so i think it's a really strong point like i think there is a lot of unnecessary elitism around books and you know i want to say like if anyone's listening or as if they you know just who cares? Be what you want. And even if it's blog posts or Twitter posts, you right. know, like just keep reading and exploring and learning new worlds. And, you know, if you're in high school now and the books don't resonate with you, read another book. Be like, I want to read something else. And if your teacher says no, mm-hmm. you know, read them anyway. Right. <laughs> Reading can be such an empowering thing to be able to just like go and get knowledge for yourself from different sources mm-hmm. because then you're not stuck with what they've given you. Right. Or by they, I just mean like society as a whole. You're not stuck by what society is telling you is the only way of being. So, Oof. you know, if if you are listening to this and you want to read, please read. If you are like, hey, how do I get into reading? And you want to ask us in an email, mm-hmm. send us out. We'll try to find something interesting and, yeah. you know, fun. Or just keep listening to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so. No, that's so real. And, and, and thank you for that. Because, yeah, that's a whole... that's such a good point to bring up as well it's just there's so many barriers to accessing the medium and you know it's like once you get to a certain point it's like it can be yeah it's like it's really hard to have that experience where it's just like yeah like I just it's it's harder for me to do this it is harder for me to read you know like it's like and that shouldn't be something that we look at people because I remember I mean I remember literally growing up with people who like we're reading below grade level and like people would like mm. clown the dog shit out of them. They'd be like, Oh my God, like this bitch can't read. Like it's like, people were just like heinous yeah. and it's like, we don't need to respond like this. This is such an unnecessary yeah. way. Like we, we, we actually could look at the system that this person was like socialized in or like brought up in and the ways in which that system failed. Cause how the fuck, you know, like it's like, we shouldn't look at right. this as like an individual failing of this person or like the like cap to their intelligence. Like this should just be, this is a structural Issue. issue and even on top of of everything you just said i i, I definitely want to also encourage because it's also something that i details to come details to come i'm, I'm, I'm gonna keep it real vague <laughs> but i think also too if you are someone that enjoys reading and you find a lot of value in it and you really want to explore the medium but you don't necessarily find books or short stories or poems or whatever that sort of reflect your experience or things that you would like to read about create it like nothing yeah. wrong with making something that you would like to read yourself, you know, like in yes. exploring that as a medium. And also in the, in doing that, like being a writer, writing short stories or writing novels, or whatever, like you can have your own voice. Like just yeah. because so-and-so wrote this way or all the people tend to have like this kind of like prose or whatever, it does not mean that you also have to mimic that. Like you can have your own exactly. individual voice and like anyone can write. You don't have to have a certain education level or a certain vocabulary or nope. a certain diction, a certain syntax. None of that shit matters. Do you, girl? Yes. So just, you, uh, yes. Thank you, Marcy. Wanted to put that out there as yes. well. Yes, I completely agree. Thank you. Uh, kids, just be creative. Just yes. do it. Just, <laughs> there is no limit to your creativity. Just, and adults, I said kids, but I really truly mean everyone. Yeah. Just put it, your creative outlets to work. Especially adults, because I think especially it's easy to get to a point where it's like, oh, well, like, you know, I've never yeah. really done this before. Or, like, I'm about to be 30 or whatever. You know, like, people 
will be like, oh, like, well, I didn't grow up really, you know, writing or drawing or whatever. So I guess I can't do it. It's like, no, no, no. You can literally start whenever. <laughs> and it's like, whenever. it can be what you make of it. Right. Like, and it's like, and even like, cause I feel like so funny enough in my own, per- oh, this is getting real personal, but whatever. Um, but even like in my own personal experience, like I started dancing like I guess in a more formal way I guess what you would say in a classical sense like later in my life like I took my first dance class when I was 19 Mm. which to me 19 is still very young but like you know according to like the the world of ballet and things like that like that's like hella late to start which also I feel like reflects things about have and have not but I'll keep it oh absolutely no absolutely and it's like and it's, and it's funny because I, I would meet people and they would be like, oh, my God, that's so cool that you, like, you know, are really exploring this medium and, like, are in a place where you can perform and be part of these pieces and stuff like that. Like, that's wild that you started so late in your life. And it was funny because I feel like I met a lot of people who would say things like, yeah, you know, honestly, like, if someone, like, hasn't started dancing yet and, like, they're, like, in adulthood, like, you know, they can also, like, like, you know, it can be, like, a hobby. Like, they can still do it, you know, like, still explore it. Like, nothing's wrong with that. And I'm like, but also if you want to, like, make that the thing that you do, you can also do mm-hmm. that like that's like you don't have mm-hmm. to like, you don't you have not reached a point where it's like i just am in a point where i like i just can't do this professionally if this is what you want to do professionally right. and you just like are starting quote-unquote late girl like there's nothing stopping any tony morrison published her first book when she was 39 years old you know what i mean like it's like yep. there is nothing stopping people from like making this the thing that they do so if this is what you want your bread and butter to be then like do it like it doesn't have to be relegated to like a side thing or a hobby this can be like center stage and that's also okay and granted yeah like it's like it can be challenging right because there's like narratives saying that like there are a lot of narratives that you're fighting against but ultimately it's okay and you can like yeah it's okay to identify to see yourself in a different artistic light that you haven't entertained before and like you don't have to Mm. like look at all the times in, what you're in your life in which you could have been exploring this or expanding in this. You could just appreciate yeah. the, the passion that you now have for it that you didn't in the past and just actualize exactly. that right now. So, uh, yeah. Wow, I'm this okay. is <laughs> kind of emotional child. Like, oh my God. But <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's pretty much, yeah, kind of how I see see all of it. Did, did you have anything else you wanted to say about the question? No, I, I just want to say Mercy makes great points and you should listen to it again because he's right and it's beautiful. Oh, thank but, you. <laughs> um, but now we're going to take a quick break yes. and we'll be right back. Sounds good. Before we do our, you know, our usual plot summary situation, I just wanted to quickly address our predictions from the last episode. And, um, yeah, you know, honestly, um, (laughs) we are, it was, it was, it was kind of a toss up. Like a lot of the stuff Mm -hmm. that we were like, so for example, for me, from what I remember, I remember just being very curious about like Madame Dearborn because at this point, like. Cora and Kirillo were like relatively new members to the dancing school and so I was kind of like okay like mm. maybe Madame Dearborn is going to be like high key like related to like Isabel Cho and like all this other stuff but like right that was um we'll get into that but that wasn't really <laughs> that relevant like it actually didn't really matter no. that much and Aqua, what, what was your prediction 
I I thought K two was a clone too, and I thought this was like a whole thing, and like oh, there's clones, and we didn't know there's clones, and everybody's a clone, and that's <laughs> also false. K two is not a clone; he's a fascist. Yes, so, so um, there's that. You know what? Predictions are meant to be discredited. Exactly, so. and it just means if any, honestly, if a book isn't predictable, that's usually probably a good thing. So that's good. There we go. So before we get into our usual summary, um, we're actually going to do something a little bit different this week because again in the vein of vulnerability this book was very confusing (laughs) and i Mm. definitely reading it was sort of especially around the last like 100 pages like i mean granted girl i read the book like this is not on some like (laughs) high school like harkness table like i read spark notes for like three minutes and i'm just trying to like really lip sync for my life in front of my class right now like i actually (laughs) read the fucking book we both read it but akko so it it sort of resonated with akko a bit more so yeah i think because we were texting about it beforehand and marcy was like how do you feel about the book and i was like i think hey to be honest, still confused. Mm-hmm. And there are interpretations that I'm going to give that may be very, very incorrect. <laughs> but I did like, I think I liked the book a little more. So mm-hmm. I'm going to do the summary and I'm going to kind of explain why I liked it and see if I can kind of like, you know, show you my hot take on yeah. it. Um, but I would, lo- I'm, I still want to hear your thoughts because I think we have some similar thoughts yes, on yes, yes. other aspects. So I'm going to jump into the summary. Mm-hmm. Basically from where we left off, Cora had left the Cordova school she saved her brother from the pack of dogs and mm-hmm. had gone home only to like find her parents missing and K2 abandoned her and ran back away. Yep. After giving her like a cloth, I guess, to wrap her arm or hand in. Mm-hmm. Carillo is now at the Cordova school and she's their doctor. Mm-hmm. And she's asking questions about the batter kites that took her grist sisters. And Madame Dearborn is like low key stop high key stop and she's like yikes so actually high key stop <laughs> like you're actually doing too much <laughs> like um, but it doesn't matter too much because when we jump back into the story we're back at the Cordova school and uh one of the girls runs down to Kirlone and is like madam dearborn is being attacked by her cats the ones she usually uses to make the cat coats and i was like oh wait the cat coats are actually coats made out of cats yeah I, so maybe real real quick <laughs> so this could actually be a, a, like an interesting little bit but like so from what i understand the cat coats are yeah i guess they're they're literally made of cats which wild um right. and they like are kind of sentient so you put them on but they can like purr yes. and like make noises and growl and stuff right and like they also make you invisible question yes. mark and i think okay. i think they were also kind of cloned <laughs> maybe i think they're also cloned too uh, the cloning actually becomes a slightly larger part of this book so a lot of things were actually cloned so i think the cats mm-hmm. were cloned or genetically altered okay um to, to to make and that's why you're like you got scratched by cats and she died like that seems like a weird moment but it's because the, the cats are like intense cats with like sharper claws and like- things so i <laughs> um so madame dearborn is dying because yes. and she was in a rush it seems like she was making a bunch of cat coats because she was worried about the girls because something's about to go down. Right. So she's dying and she's like, Kirlo, I actually have to tell you everything. She's like, this is the other sister Gris that was still in the city that your mother double told you about. <gasps> I just want to add those <laughs> right? <effects. laughs> and, um, and she's like, when the rest of the ancestors left for the outer ring, you know, we stayed here. And by the way, that starfish that Marcy and Akko thought was a man because they thought 
um, he gave Perry Tiger Flu is actually a woman, and her name is Carmela Sweetwater. <laughs> but how could we have known that at the time? Because right. We were confused. I was low key blown so, though because it was like the next chapter, and I was like, "Damn, if we just read one more chapter, it, it's fine." <laughs> we would have known. Ugh. But um, but Carmela is dead because the army killed her. Um, because I guess everything sucks. So correct. Essentially, Kirlo is at a dead end because she came here to find a starfish and there isn't one and she still doesn't know where her sisters are. So she also finds out that Isabel Cho and The Host, which is a, a corporation, are basically using Aang as a place to download people's minds. And they have this whole concept that bodies and minds can be separated. And they were testing uh, that theory on basically Kirlo's grandmother like that generation before which actually explains a lot because mm-hmm. now you realize that her grandmothers were already clones that's why they can oh. like have clone children yeah Yo, and they make that connection what <laughs> right and because yeah we were like how could you in three generations like change your whole like right. you know birthing system of the human but it's because they were already clones Bruh. and so they were sick of being tested on and that's why you learned that Kirlo has been taught from a young age like never separate the body from the mind like they're the same because the grandparents were like, the grandmothers were like, yo, please stop killing us on some like testing on some mind <laughs> stuff that we don't understand. <laughs> Which like, fair. Fair. So, and also real quick. Right. Um, so just a quick reminder, Chang and Aang are virtually what? Like they're like satellites, basically. They yeah. kind of serve as like yeah. a sun and moon sort of like structure in this world. But yeah, they're like these human made satellites. satellites. Yes. They're basically like huge servers where people's minds are on them. Mm-hmm. But we'll get to that in a second. So Cora returns to the Cardova school because she she has nowhere else to go and when she arrives the girls are holding a procession for madame dearborn and they call her out for losing her cat coat and they're like where have you been and she's like uh (laughs) everything's a little you know i'm having a hard time so i'm just gonna go back inside and they're like your hand's really bad you should see a doctor because she was attacked by dogs the dogs bit her hand. Right, because yes. she was attacked by the dogs. Yes. And so Cora and Killero, Killero meet for the first time. And you actually, I thought it was going to be like a more, like of a thing, but it's pretty unceremonious. Yeah, honestly. And uh, Kirilo's like, your heart, your hand is soups infected. Um, Here's some forget-me-do's and I'm going to cut off your hand. And I was like, yikes. Um, yeah, but she also didn't tell Cora. Like she just like made, she, like Cora fell asleep and then she just cut her hand off. Yeah, I was like, that's very, very intense. Yeah. So when she wakes up, she is understandably very upset, um, as I would be. I same. That was, I was. I, I too would be upset. <laughs> like, God, it yeah. made sense. Like, <laughs> can't like, yeah. But um, who's with her? It's um. Tanya and Velma, Velma are with her, and they try to comfort her, sort of. They're like, hey, I mean, granted, like, the city is in decline and it's a post-apocalypse, so, like, no right. one really has much time and emotional energy. for You know, everyone's kind of traumatized, but mm-hmm. they're like, hey, stop being so sad. Like, it, I know you lost your hand, but, you know, there's a party tonight. And you're like, hmm, timing, tone, but fine. Tagged, non-existent, whatever. I, it's fine. Right, tagged. <laughs> Um, but they give Cora some whiskey because, I mean, at this point, when you lose your hand, I feel like maybe you can get a drink if you want. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and it involuntarily causes one of her scales to turn on. And I, I'm i starting to get the feeling that the scales. So I also had a journey with this book where I started to more and more piece things together. The scales are like part of your a body they can be like a modification of a kind. Um, it's oh. not exactly explained why because later on some of the characters have have like scales all over their body but it's not entirely explained 
how the skills get there or who has them or, or doesn't have them. Because if it's just like clones who can have them, mm-hmm. then wouldn't they have known immediately that Korra was a Gris sister? But so it's, un, it's so I don't think that it has that type of like dichotomy. I'm just not sure what it is. But anyway, That's really she has a skill. Yeah. Because I thought they were like just in her hair or something. Like I didn't. Where, well, are they, they are in her hair. Okay. But I'm not sure like. <laughs> I'm not sure because there's also her scales are, di- are dirty apparently and they have bugs on them which yeah. I was like, like Ugh, girl anyway I, so but they're <laughs> it's like a biotechnology okay bet. cool 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 so anyway she turns it on and maybe they're actually growing out of her head too anyway I don't I have show I don't have answers <laughs> so it shows her and Isabel uh, uh, so it shows her an image of Isabel crying about her lover and she's basically like you betrayed me you are using your my like our shared project and you're doing it on your own well mine's gonna be better and yada 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 and Tanya's mm-hmm. like whoa you, you get rid of the scale if Myra if Myra finds the scale she's gonna be super mad and she runs off and Cora's like I don't know what to do about this and I also was like Cora I also don't know what to do with this and and she was like, hey, yeah. I found a cat coat under her bed. <laughs> and she puts it on and sneaks out into the night. And you're like, okay, that's fair. So meanwhile, Kirlo has this subplot, which I I don't know. She <laughs> walks outside and there's an old man. And then the scene is kind of irrelevant. But basically she learns that there's that her other Grist sister, Calix, is at the some tiger flu boy party, which is actually where Velma and Tanya are going. So she's like, I guess I'm loyal, you know, I'm right. a real one. So I'll go find her. Um, so they all end up at this party, even Cora, who's in her cat suit, but whatever. Cora also has her hand was just cut off like an hour right. ago. Just <laughs> right, reminding everyone. Out. So yes. Right. Yes. So they get there and everyone's like, hey, take this end light and drink it or smell it. And it's basically is this drug that makes you super, super high and trippy. It's like the Molly of the post apocalypse. Pretty right? much. And they're like, you have to take it, because if not, like you can't experience this like shared experience and you're gonna be really bored fine that's actually probably how molly actually is in real life and probably how most like drinking and stuff is right like if you're not on it you're just like why are we staring at a television right no guys the ocean isn't you know like sinking like you're fine anyway so (laughs) while at the morning they run into k2 who (laughs) leads them to this elevator which i now understand is what uploads people to the moons so they're in like the tiger men are going to Chang because if you remember from Stash or Stack or whoever that weird guy from the first one was, um, mm-hmm. he's talking about Chang. And okay, two's friend. Chang and then the, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So anyway, they're in the tiger flu area. So I think they're all going. This is an elevator to Chang. So from what I understand, List made Chang and Host Isabel's company made Ang. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so they get in the elevator and. Cora is being partially uploaded and it's that point where she runs into her mother and her uncle Wei. Now, I don't know if they're alive or not. I'm not sure if this is like a fake them or a real them. It's unclear because later K2 comes and says some stuff and it's all unclear. But what you learn <laughs> is that Uncle Wei and Charlotte were together be- and Uncle Wei basically betrayed his brother and stole his wife mm-hmm. and they both lived in like the Middle Kingdom like the rich part and they had lots of shmoney and mm-hmm. uncle way was actually supposed to inherit like this whole whatever corporation thing that makes the tiger wine mm-hmm. and he gave it up to his younger brother because he was like i stole your wife and that is kind of awful i mean and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well i get but like i don't know how you can steal but to be fair this isn't i'm not going to pretend like this isn't like it's kind of mean to like you know betray your brother by like cheating on 
you know that's like people aren't property but like you also shouldn't go behind your brother's back yeah like it, it just <laughs> felt real manipulative and kind of stank like i'm just like oh god like. yeah <laughs> right so charlotte and uncle way see cora and they're like yo you have to get out of here because you have to go and it's probably because she's being uploaded so they push her back in the elevator before it closed and she goes back down mm-hmm. and then somehow she runs into Il- isabel cho maybe uh yeah. it could be a dream sequence <laughs> i'm not <laughs> sure she definitely runs into isabel later but this could be in the scale i don't really know her connection with isabel is confusing to me super so unfair. anyway she isabel <laughs> tells her to get rid of marcus traskin who's the leader of the the tiger boys or the tiger men or whoever they are <laughs> And um, so and and she's like, if you can do that, you can save your your mother and your quote unquote father. But we'll get to that in a second. Um, and she's like, OK, sounds good. I think it might be a trick, though, because she's on Chang right now. She's not she's not on Aang. Anyway, so Cora and Kirilo run into each other again. And Kirilo honestly has the most sense out of everyone. And is like, we should leave. We should just not be here anymore. Yeah. And Cora is like, I'm loyal and family. Got to save my my mother and my father <clears throat> that I don't know is my father yet. Ooh. And <laughs> and so I got to go kill this Marcus Traskin guy. And Kirilo is like, okay, fine, let's go. So as they're going, they run into K2 again. And he's bound again which is odd. And he's like, look, Marcus is the best. He saved all of us. And he finally mm-hmm. tells Cora about their family and what happened with the tiger flu. And he explains. So at the beginning of the book, we didn't really go into it because I guess we didn't think it would be relevant, but there's these huge like barrels of like vats that are like ancient looking. Right. And those, and they were, I think they had potatoes in them. And they were like on Cora's roof, I think. It was like, yes. Yeah. yeah. And so it turns out those were, the tiger wine like containers and the tiger wine is what everyone in the city like the middle kingdom and the cec drink and it's super fancy except the tiger wine is caused from is made from cloned tiger bones and i think it was made from a dead clone a a dead tiger so they took a dead tiger yeah and cloned it because they're talking about like there was a tiger on the floor like a tiger like cloth on the floor of a mansion it's not a cloth it's a rug there we go a tiger rug on a, on the floor of a mansion somewhere right it's like what's a tiger cloth anyway but <laughs> um and they took that dna and they made they cloned the tiger and then they took the bones and they fermented it and like honestly is anyone surprised that that would have caused some type of flu no zero people are surprised but it does and that flu like wrecks the outer area and that's why people are getting sick and so they're still doing it. Like, they're still making the wine to serve to the inner cities right. with all the rich people. And all the poor people are dying of tiger flu. So that's wild. But it doesn't well, really matter because it's a trap. And well, here's the twist. As I said, K2 and Cora are cousins. And Uncle Wei is Cora's father. <gasps> oh, my God. <laughs> so, right. After the cheating thing, he was like, look, brother, sorry about that. You can have the empire. So now, if you guys remember, Everest, who was K2's twin, is dead. And I, it kind of sounds like when they broke up, like each person took one twin, like the parent trap, except this is way darker than the parent trap. <laughs> and now that Everest is dead, the father was like, the father was like, okay, I guess K2's my only and like, you know, offspring. So he's going to inherit everything. So K2 was like, yes, this is my rise. I am king. I am the greatest. So he puts Kirlo and Korra in jail. Because I don't know why. So Cora's hand is growing back and 
while they're in jail and they're like oh you're a starfish which i guess means you're a grist sister or something yeah that's kind of weird because how is that possible because like clearly you're like a mixed grist sister thing this is confusing but you clearly have some lineage with us and that makes kirilo kind of feel like she's somewhat family but not enough to not be annoyed with her because she keeps staring at her she's Mm -hmm. like cora why are you staring at me? And honestly, it's like a fair question because if I was stuck in a dungeon with someone who would not stop staring at me, I don't know what I would do. And they're yeah. given fish every day to eat. So finally, Carol's like, what's good, Cora? What are we doing? And she's like, here's the thing. The other thing is Cora's not eating the fish. She like won't touch it. Mm-hmm. She just doesn't want to eat it. And Carol's like, you're dying and you're sick and you're not eating and you're staring at me. So she's like, here's the thing. When I was getting uploaded and I saw my parents before that, I saw a whole bunch of people who looked exactly like you being uploaded and uh, coming out as fish. And I think (laughs) I don't want to surprise or shock anyone. Mm. I'm fairly sure the fish they're serving us is your Gris sister. Oh, girl. <laughs> and Krillo's like, okay, um, <sighs> this is traumatic. We're <laughs> in jail, and there's nothing we can do about this situation. But mark my words, once we leave, I won't ever eat fish again. Um, so that, everyone feels oh, ill, basically. God. Oh, my God. Right. And so while they're pondering that, the betrayer, Calyx, shows up and she's like, hey, K2's my new bae now. I'm abandoning all my friends for my love. And you're like, oh, <laughs> come on, Calyx. Also, like, I'm, s- I'm sorry. <laughs> Calyx, how old is Calyx, real tea? Like, That's this felt question. illegal as fuck because she was also pregnant. That's a good point. And I was like, I know yeah. we're in the post-apocalypse, but like, e- yeah, get <laughs> what the fuck is going e- on. Dad. Yeah. Facts. Ciao. So Calyx and the guards take Cora and Kirilo to see uh, Marcus Traskin, the leader of the Tiger Flu men. Yes. And so Marcus is like, Cora, betray your brother. You'll be the true heir. And somehow this will be relevant to me, probably because of the patriarchy and heteronormative relationships, even though I just met you. Yeah. And she's like, interesting. This is a great offer. Um, and I know my brother's kind of awful, but I'm not going to betray him. Hmm. And Curlo making a lot of sense is like, did he not just throw you in jail and try to kill you? Yeah. But it doesn't matter that she's making a lot of sense. And that's a great point because K2 <laughs> rolls in with his army of boys and is like, Marcus, you betrayed me. <laughs> he, he kills him. And Cora's like, <gasps> and Curlo's like, oh God. <laughs> and he's like, you didn't betray me, sis. Thanks. I'll repay your kindness by not killing you and telling oh. you to leave forever. And that if I ever catch you again, I'm going to kill you. Is and that I'm a like, gift? Like, I don't, like, who? No. Uh, okay. okay. <laughs> Very obnoxious. Look at me. My God. Oh, I won't kill you as a gift. Like, what the fuck? Like, I, I, baseline right. assumption was that like, you wouldn't kill me. What the hell? Like, what? Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> also, like, K2, you've been in charge for, like, five seconds. Literally like, it's three been, minutes. I mean, I, yeah. So, I don't know. Like, you couldn't have, anyway. So they dip back to the Cordova school and they're going to get a truck and leave the area for good. This is Cora and Kirillo. They went back. Yeah, the two of them went back. And so Cora tries to tell Isabel through the scales that Marcus is dead, but Isabel scale, Isabel isn't listening and she's just yelling. So they get back to the school and Tanya and Myra and Velma and Cora 
and Carillo are the only girls left because in like the time they were in prison, which was like a bu- about like 180 days, basically everyone got uploaded. Like that party they were at, like everybody was uploaded to Chang during that party with the end list. And I'm like, that is the worst ending to a party ever. Like essentially right. you wake up from a party and you're like, am I still alive or was I uploaded to a system last night? And do I get my body back? And like, am I in the matrix? Right. So I was like, oh boy, no party I've ever <laughs> been to has ended up with me being separated from my mind. It's like the hangover on like some level eight shit. It's like, oh my God. Right. It's like, am I still, am I still in physical <laughs> possession of my body? Like LOL last night about last night. And it's like, oh, um, right. like, you might be uploaded be- to Chang. So. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, <laughs> I don't even post on Twitter. I am Should, a tweet. Can, like, you, right, can you imagine like that Snapchat story? Like, yo, like last night was wild. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you literally lost your body, um, but still have a sentient mind somehow. Or maybe not, actually. We don't really know how any of this works. But truly, you may you may or may not just be dead. So we don't know. So anyway, yep. so they get back to the school and... Um, <laughs> <laughs> while they're there the police show up to take basically capture all of them and i'm like whose police force is this even like is this k2 is this isabel nobody knows and it doesn't matter they right. grab velma and high key like slick take her but i was like it's because they they were like let's split up and i was like oh my god everyone stop scooby doing every situation right. do not split up so anyway Tanya, Myra, and Kirlo and Cora are the only ones left. And Tanya's like, look, I got to connect at the CEC. Let's go. So she drives them in a truck to the CEC. And the, the people at the border are like, Tanya, you are just playing games with your privilege. And that makes ups- us upset because we're the holders of privilege. Really, you're just using it to be subversive. But Tanya's <laughs> like, yeah, I know. And they're like, look, your mom really misses you and wants you to come back home. And I was like, Tanya, if you could go back home, why on earth are you in this the saltwater flats. Hello, I, I understand. Like, why? Like, bro, like you really, <laughs> like you really are opting to be at the Cordova school right now. Like, right? Why? Like, I, I need it. Right. Like, please make it make sense. And like, I get, I get. It's like, oh, you know, I'm giving up my my you know privilege in the corrupt world to be with the the freedom fighters. But that's not really what the Cordova school is. And it's not like the other side. Where it's like it, that's <laughs> right. Like that's not right. what. There, it's just a school for people trying to survive. Like, yep. why didn't you just like bring them food? <laughs> yeah. But maybe that's what she wants. I don't. I don't know. Anyway, Tanya leaves. <laughs> Tanya goes back with her family, and Myra's like, honestly, Myra's just trying to get through it. So they get through, and they end up at this house of this woman named Elizabetta, and she knows the Gris sisters, and she feeds them. And apparently, Kirillo had been there before with her mother, Double, and. But it, it whatever good relationship they had before is kind mm-hmm. of soured. And it, it could be because Elizabetta doesn't think they'll pay her back for her kindness. Like she thinks they're going to slick dip and never come back. Because mm-hmm. she kind of knows about everything that's going on. Like the grists being destroyed and yada, yada, yada. And it also could be because Cora is a starfish and people are looking for Gris sisters to do some type of experiment. So it's almost like, is there like a slight betrayal thing? Like, oh, we used to be closed, but now everything's falling apart and the government's going to pay me a lot of money for you kind of thing. But given that context and everyone feeling really suspect of Elisabetta, Cora's like, I guess I'll just go to the other room and lay down because that makes sense. So she does. And at which point there's a whole like dream sequence thing i don't even know if any of the details are honestly that relevant but yeah just like a lot it was like weirdly violent but also like calming did she like have dinner at one point in the sequence like it was just like real unclear 
A lot of things happen in the sequence. But really what matters is that Myra wakes up Kurilo and tells her that Cora has been taken. And Kurilo tries to find her, but ends up in a room with her mother double and then runs into Perry, her old lover, and has to like cut out her heart. But it's not really her mother double and it's not really Perry. They've been uploaded into Aang, mm-hmm. the Isabel Cho's kind of system. And... Isabel's kind of like, we need the Grist sisters to do some testing to make our egg experiment the best experiment. And look, like Perry's right here. You don't need to leave. Just stay. And she's like, that's not Perry. And she's like, it is Perry because I aggregated all your emotions and other people's emotions about Perry. And therefore, that is her. And Carolo's like, I don't think you like understand human connection. Um, <laughs> but that's not Perry. And I don't want to be in this weird place anymore. Correct. And so she gets out. And then Isabel's like, yo, I'm still really mad, probably about my lover thing, and I'm going to launch an atomic bomb from the time before at Chang. And then she just does that and starts laughing yep. while Chang literally <laughs> it, like <laughs> explodes and starts falling onto the planet. And you're like, this is like Majoro's mask of Zelda when you fail mm-hmm. and the moon crashes into the planet. Except you're like, I didn't even know that that was a risk. You right. know? Like, Link had like a seven, what, seven days? And i like, no time yeah and so then myra pops in and is like haha i blew up chang that was actually me and you're like myra Myra, what, what? where what was your connection to isabel cho like what the, like that was right. so convenient what the hell where did you come from uh, oh my I was god like, have you been uh, moonlighting as part of the re- resistance show. this whole time like what's happening what is happening so truly confusing anyway so Kilo's like, uh, I'm going to find Cora. And she does. And she's dying because she's been trampled by a bunch of falling debris. And Kirillo's like, why is nothing going well but fine? Yeah. And she finds like a batter kite and she puts <laughs> Cora in the batter kite. And I think if you're thinking of these things as solely technology, like solely like a robot or like a, it, this feels sounds weird, but think of it more of like a like a membrane, like the batter kites are like a living organism, kind of like the cat suits. Okay, it's kind of mm. like the cat suits. It's like a membrane thing. So she puts her in the batter kite, and her body gets uploaded into this pseudo biological pseudo ship thing. And then later they go back and they plant the batter kite into the ground, and she becomes a tree. And like 150 years in the future, there's a whole new grist with grist children and she's telling them the story and everyone's old together and all the kids are like what there was a time where we weren't clones that's crazy yeah so basically all the regular humans are kind of dead and the only people left are clone people and yeah. oh ang is still around so you could also be a human on ang in which your mind is on a server yeah. And that um, and is the end of Tiger Food. <laughs> and I want to say when they got back to Grist, it was, oh my God, what were those two sisters' names? The, there was like one that had oh, given birth. Oh, there's the Bombax girl. She also showed up somewhere for no reason. Yeah, like they, I think we're also, so I think when they finally got back to Grist Village, it was, yeah, Cora, Kirolo, and those two. Yes. And then, because Myra stayed behind to do God only knows what. <laughs> and yeah and then they just like became yeah like they were just like the gris village of the future yes yeah yes, yes, yes. well i so. thank you because i that really <laughs> does put all this in perspective because i was like what is like ing and what is happening but like okay actually hearing it out loud i'm like oh, that actually kind of comes together like makes sense huh so Let's take a little bit of a break, and then when we get back, we will get into all of our thoughts and feelings on Tiger Flynn. Woo!
And we're back. So before we get into all of our feelings and thoughts, uh, we just wanted to do a quick shout out to a previous guest of ours, Joa McGill, who actually right now, so she mentioned this in our episode with her, um, the interview, but she's actually launched a Kickstarter program for Power and Magic, the Queer Witch Comics Anthology Volume 2. So yes, just a quick reminder, um, so far Power and Magic Press in terms of their books, there's Power and Magic 1, there's Immortal Souls, which is sort of like a Power and Magic, like 1.5. And then obviously there's Heartwood, which is what Heartwood. we read. Yeah, like a couple weeks ago. And so, yeah, so she's doing some fundraising right now for Power and Magic Volume 2. It looks really, really fucking dope. Yes. If you go to her Kickstarter and just search, yeah, Power and Magic, the Queer Witch Comics Anthology Volume 2, you, sh- you should be able to find pretty much all of the things and yeah definitely go and support because she's like really yeah. doing the work and like supporting like really dope artists and like this matters so and yeah. and, and and if you are a writer if you are a queer witch yourself or you want to be in that space definitely reach out to her yeah so yeah so definitely check that out because it's going to be amazing and also too with the kickstarter which i also think is super cool if you haven't read any of the power magic books or anything like that when you pledge to pitch a certain amount of money that comes along with it and so for example if you give i want to say 13 dollars, like it makes you eligible to get volume two when it like first comes out like digitally and so like each amount has like a certain like item or prize that kind of comes along with it so it's a good way to also just like get the books and like read them so yeah Yeah. so all around dope shit check it out it's amazing yes so let's get into this discussion so i really like this book actually i Mm -hmm. don't think all of it was as clear or i didn't understand it as much as i would have liked to and maybe on second if i read it a second time i'll get it more Mm -hmm. but there is definitely a lot of concepts in here that i really liked i liked the clones i liked the I think the moment I really started to like it was when I started to see the electronics as less of metallic and metal and more biological Mm -hmm. and sort of the connection of people with technology becoming a part of us in a way that we don't necessarily feel now because you can put your phone down and move away from it. But, Mm -hmm. you know, when things, when the, when the technology started to become biological and integrated into the body, it became a completely different evolution of humans in a way that I didn't, it forced me to project into the future, I think, in the same way that someone from 1901 would have to project into the future to understand the Internet. Mm. So I thought she was really forcing our imaginative consciousness in a way that I was like, hey, I haven't had to do this much work <laughs> to understand something in a while. And I, yeah. I'm kind of into it. And it's really cool to me. And I like the complexity. But I also like that there were some grounding things in the story. Like, mm-hmm. essentially, at the at the heart of the story is a story of betrayal, you know, of a family dynamics. And, and a lot of the ways... Um, the House of the Spirits, right, mm-hmm. with Esteban, is really a story about this man destroying his family and therefore the whole rest of the yep. city. <laughs> In the same way, you know, Isabel Cho and whatever fight she's having and the 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 co-family's conflict is working itself out on the people of this, you know, post-apocalyptic future. So mm-hmm. I really liked all of that. I also thought what was really cool, and I, I, I think a lot about Afrofuturism, which is a concept that I love. Mm-hmm. In this way, there felt something very Asian futurism about this, if that is a concept that exists. Mm-hmm. And it was really cool to kind of watch someone project the Asian American body in the future in a way that wasn't westernized. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when I was reading it, a lot of things that were interesting to me was the way she 
pulled from ancient Chinese literature. Maybe not on purpose. Maybe not at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but I got some things to me. The part where Kirilo was in the server when she met her double mother again, and it was very ceremonial and rigid. Mm-hmm. It reminded me a lot of sort of the ceremonies of like a book like Dream of the Red Chamber, where it's like mm-hmm. a very structured, complex social structure. And actually, in that book, it is very female focused, driven, and it plays with morality and right and wrong. And actually, in that book, there's like 140 main characters or something. What? And it's all these women who may or may not be good, who you know, not may or may not be, but they're complex. They're not good, mm-hmm. not necessarily good or bad. And there's infighting and complexity of, of family and societal structures. And I could kind of see some of that in this book. And I thought the idea of putting ancient China into a server, like having that same religiosity, but Mm. when your body is so disconnected from your mind, was really dope. And I really liked all that stuff. Right. What I wish that the book had, first of all, those concepts, all these concepts by themselves are enough for a book. The clones with the grist, that's a whole book. K2 and Korra's Mm. fight, that's a book. The part with the corporations, Another book, you know, being uploaded into a <laughs> server that's actually the moon. That's a whole series. Like, yeah. You know, so I, I kind of was like, I, I don't think I had enough time to chew on everything because there is so much happening. Mm-hmm. Um, or the fact that they Soylent Greened everyone by turning them into fish. Like, yeah. I was like, this is crazy. And these concepts are great. And I, I wish there was more time to explore them or for them to develop. Mm-hmm. I did think that sometimes characters showed up out of nowhere or left out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. I was like, Bombax, you ha- you've showed up on page five. How are you here in page 22? <laughs> but that also happened in Dread Nation and, to be fair, in the fifth season. So it, Yeah, it yeah, it did. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, But yeah, what about you? What were your thoughts? Oh, but overall, I would, I would recommend reading it. If you're in the middle of it and it's not for you, it's not for you. I don't mm-hmm. think try to push yourself to understand something that's not your cup of tea. Mm-hmm. But if it is for you, kind of like try to get to the end and see what you get out of it. Yeah, that's real. I think, so funny enough, I feel like my interpretation very much, like since we're doing this jointly, I'm starting to see more of the messages and the symbols in the book, which like now looking at it, I'm like, okay, like I kind of see sort of more of what's going on here. I think for me, so just being totally honest, the book wasn't necessarily my cup of tea just because it didn't really hold your hand at all. Like, you know, there were just like these Mm. concepts and these ideas and these communities and like these principles that like, sometimes were explained like there was there were uh, to be fair there were some things where it was like i'm trying to remember specifically i remember chang and ing were talked about from like literally page one right but then like mm. later on there was like a flashback sequence where i think it was like when cora had that weird dream secret it was somewhere in part two basically they <laughs> talked about how like the launch of chang and ing and so by talking about that they made it very clear that these are like human-made satellites essentially and right. so there were things like that that were kind of like okay this is like sort of explored but even for example like stuff like uploading like when Cora went up into that elevator, saw like Charlotte and Uncle Y, and then like came back down, and like was like, oh, like, and it was like later on she was talking to Kirilla or somebody, and was like, oh, like I almost got uploaded, and I was like, wait, what? Like, what does that mean? And like, granted, they kind right. of explained it by having these sequences, but it was like I didn't necessarily connect the two concepts. Like, I didn't connect that vocabulary of like this is what uploading means. I just thought it was like, oh, this is like some weird sequence that's now happening that like I guess matters, but mm. I don't really know what's exactly taking place. And then Chang exploded out of nowhere and I'm like, wait, so we're hose on Chang? Like I just like, <laughs> there was so many things I was like, what is happening? That it was like, it made it difficult for me to really kind of get lost in the world because like my own confusion and questions were like kind of taking me out of the, it wasn't like immersive for me, mm. I guess. Like I was like, so, like I was trying so hard to get it that I like, it was harder for me to kind of like, 
sort of see those connections and like kind of derive more enjoyment out of it overall. But what I will say in terms of things that I did like about it, I do like sort of the character progression that took place. Um, For example, I feel like Kirolo Mm. at first in part one, like was very much on this like, Sasuke from Naruto tip like just like oh like I'm like gonna kill whoever the fuck killed period like was on this like had a very like single track on like mission and like was like I'm gonna find my mother double and kill this like starfish bitch and blah 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 blah. um (laughs) but then by the end of it like just like her relationship with Korra and like kind of seeing how that grew I mean yeah like Kirilla wasn't like necessarily always the healthiest person to be around but it was like I like to see sort of like how she was able to like, I feel like since Perry died so early in the book, we didn't really get to see Kirilla practice that much compassion. And so it was interesting her mm. meeting Korra and sort of seeing, like, not saying, like, the compassion she expressed to Korra is the exact same as that that she would have expressed with Perry had she still been alive. But just seeing that different side of her and just seeing, like, like yeah, like, that holistic representation of, like, who she actually is. I feel like the characters did evolve some for better some for worse i mean i mean k2 i mean definitely took went <laughs> like down this hill of decline but like also that motherfucker yeah. didn't really have a personality no shade like he was just kind of like there and then like was like oh like i'm evil and i was kind of like oh so is this who you were the whole time like i was like what um, so um yeah so things like and i do also like that you know the world was one where it was just every details are very much thought out, like every part of like the lore and sort of the makeup of it. Clearly there was a lot of foresight that went into it, which I can appreciate it. Even if I did not personally <laughs> understand most of it. Um, So I would just say like for like, I agree with Akko, like, you know, if you like definitely start reading this book, I think there's a lot that, to be gained from it. But yeah, if you're like halfway through and you're just like, girl, I do not know what's going on. Like, it's like, it doesn't get less confusing. So you know, maybe, maybe just like see it through and just see if you can gather something by the end. But if you're just like, I'm just really struggling to even get through this. Yeah. Like definitely don't force it. If you're like, I don't know what's happening. So. Right. And you know, I think this book could have been really cool as a comic. I feel like. I agree. I really agree. Yeah. Yeah. I think that visual element would have just, because in comics you can use space in such an interesting way. It would have made a lot of the transitions way more seamless and then Mm -hmm. also i think if we could have just gotten like a little picture of what you know the scales looked like or what because you figure out at a certain point that kirlo and cora kind of look like each other but not entirely or like you know cora saw the gris sisters and is now freaked out because kirlo looks like them and they got uploaded but Mm -hmm. at the same time then maybe some of the because when core makes that reveal it does really freak you out in a way that might not have freaked you out if we could have seen that you know what i mean like that surprise is very but uh, yeah i think it would have been a cool comic yeah but so one of the concepts i i really liked about the book and i thought was the one that kind of felt very surreal was the whole uploading process the idea of first of all of two of us being uploaded to two different competing servers right it's almost like a windows apple or a samsung's mm. apple thing <laughs> except yeah. with our consciousness and then you know isabel cho is fighting whoever is in charge of hosts so uh, of chang and so it's almost like you can't go there you know consciously you can't consciously go mm. to chang if you're on ang and vice versa what does it mean you know it's almost like the geopolitics of our world extending into the mental space and Mm -hmm. it's really interesting because it kind of connects with the fact that the corporations in the story aren't they're separate from the nation states right there's the middle kingdom and there's the cec Mm -hmm. and then there's host and then there's list and those things aren't necessarily working 
together like right now you know apple is an american corporation you know mm-hmm. samsung is an american corporate is a i think korean a korean corporation but the concept of these corporations having almost like a power outside of the nation state is something that hasn't happened in our reality yet but could mm-hmm. very well happen in the future and so having that in a story that made you contend with that because a lot of the times if you notice in the book the poorer people the people on the outside they're basically fodder they're a data mm-hmm. collection for ang and chang and this whole experiment mm-hmm. but the people in the middle kingdom who we honestly never see they're not you know and it's like in what ways now in this world are people with less advantages kind of subject to the whims and wills of corporations Mm -hmm. and um i thought that was really interesting and then just kind of what would being uploaded look like you know Mm because you see it in the matrix too you see kind of what we picture humans uploading into things looks like our our consciousness going somewhere else looks like and no one really has an answer and so we all kind of visualize it or draft it differently and and lie kind of takes Mm -hmm. approach of you going down this memory lane and seeing you people you love whereas Mm. in the matrix which is a more visual representation it is very much like zero zero one zero zero one zero zero one you know (laughs) and now you're in the matrix you know which neither of them are wrong i personally i love the animatrix which does a lot of this kind of work or Mm -hmm. conversation but they're just so different from each other and i Mm. thought that was interesting so that i think that's the parts about the books that i love the things that forced me to sort of think Mm -hmm. about ourselves in the future in a way that i'm not used to thinking of ourselves now Mm. that's really real yeah and i i definitely agree in, in in the sense of like yeah just seeing sort of like the evolution of technology and stuff like that like to the point where like i mean even looking at cora like these scales are like inextricable to who she is as a person Mm. ostensibly at least and like things like that where it's just like yeah that's it does kind of like force you to think about like okay what is really the future of like these things that we play with nowadays you know like things that like you know maybe 10 20 years ago were inconceivable but like now are super commonplace it's like it's not so far-fetched to think that like the kind of like human data collection this like uploading concept like that's not like it, i mean it sounds extreme but it's like a variation of that or even like an expansion of that is not necessarily something that's like complete like i just i've just learned to say just never say never to shit like all types of shit have happened right. in history where you're like that that would never happen is like it definitely happened so like <laughs> it's definitely like an interesting exploration there which yeah like, i i definitely agree with that and also something that i thought was interesting which is sort of the question around um yeah, like specifically with the uploading process, like what exactly happens to people when, when they're uploaded? Because mm. obviously, like, you know, Cora got to see these images, but like she wasn't fully uploaded and things like that. So does it become a thing of like you are uploaded, but you don't even necessarily realize your own uploading and like you just like kind of live in this right. like, utopian world? And like, if so, like what are the ethics behind that of keeping people like sentient but like detached from their bodies like what does that mean right. and it kind of makes me think about honestly like there was i think there was an episode about of black mirror that was kind of like this it was like where there was like a world where like people could like like if you were like oh ooh, this is a whole spoiler oh my god should i say this oh no put a spoiler in the front but we'll just put, put, great um so <laughs> it was an episode where basically in like i forget then it was like san bernardino or something something like that it was basically this episode where like people in the real world if you were like gravely sick doctors could like attach you to this machine that would essentially kind of transport your mind into this like utopian space where like all you did was like party and like meet people and basically what happened in the episode was that there was like a love story that like 
involve two people who were both sort of literally uploaded into this world. And right. it was just such an interesting ethical question because it was like, yeah, obviously people were enjoying being in this kind of utopian society. But even then seeing the like shortcomings of living in a utopia, like living the same routine every day of just like mm. partying and bliss and all of that kind of had this like, like the fact that it would never end and you would just always be yeah. going through that, even though there was nothing on the surface wrong with it was like people were like, oh, my God, I can't do, you know, like it just it yeah. brought up a lot of ethical questions. And so it kind of just makes me think about the same thing here. It's of like, what does it mean to like kind of be playing with these like ideas of death and mortality and just sort of like right. really changing what it means to even die? Like if you died but right. by uploading, like that doesn't that like subverts everything. Like, what is that? Even, like, what the fuck? Yeah. You know, like, it's just like, how do we even, and like what happened when like Chang was ex- exploded, right? Like when right. Chang was destroyed, what does that mean for the people who were already uploaded onto Chang? Like, what is that? Well, what gone. did they experience? Were they already it, dead? Well, right. anyway? So does it, does it matter? That's a but, good question. Right. But, oh if they, my God. but if they were alive and had some form of consciousness, even if it wasn't like one that we recognize in this plane of existence, like, do they just experience this fire explosion for eternity? Like, Ooh. what does that mean? And oh, like, is that like man. a weird, like religious overlapping? I don't even, oh my God. Oh my, oh my God. I didn't even yeah. think about that until I said it. But yeah, Marcy, so just a lot of thoughts there. But that, Marcy, you're, that is so deep. You're so right. There are so many things about that that I thought about, but didn't think about. Like, mm-hmm. you're right. Like, what, what does it mean if they're not dead already? Did she murder a bunch of people yeah. or did she not? Or also, yeah, I say, I assumed that I blew up and that meant they weren't, they didn't have to think about it anymore, but we don't know that. We don't know. Are they on like little, like, is it just a glitch? Are they now just living in a glitch? I, oh, oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my and God. also that means like in a way, like humanity in a lot of ways, there's a safety in the sense that like, okay, I know what being alive means. You know, it's a pretty right. finite end date on it. I mean, you, you don't know when, but like uh, sensibly, even if you lived a really long age, like mm-hmm. you get what being a human is. When you are uploaded, you have no control about when any, like not that you have control now, but you have no sense of time. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> oh my God, this book is actually terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because it was like, it, like it makes you think about too, like what of the main characters, you know, like were one of the people that, yeah, like were uploaded here and we kind of got to see what that looked like. You know, like just like, I think from Cora right. and Carol's perspective, like they were far enough from the bullshit where it was kind of like, okay, this is weird. And we can kind of see this from like a, like a more zoomed out point of view, but like, yeah, like let's zoom in. Like what, like, what does that mean? Like what? Like it's right. just like really, really interesting. And then isn't there kind of like a terrifying concept of you basically using people who are sick and have such like degraded lives and being like, just go to Chang just go to ang it's like right. well i don't have a choice like the power dynamic is so huge you're like give mm. up your eternity to get rid of this moment in time when you're sick and unhappy and you're like that's not fair right. especially by the way we didn't mention this there is a cure for the tiger flu wait so, what <laughs> yeah because k2 was like oh marcus has a cure and we can use it to make money and you're like damn k2 what <laughs> oh so yeah and then even then what does it mean to like be uploaded into something definitely including the fact that you're just in this extremely vulnerable state but on top of that it's like to what extent is your consciousness like what you see on chang or ing like manipulated by the people who made it i mean surely to Mm. some extent right because even like when kirillo was seeing perry and was like she's this is not the real perry like what like she was able to like deduce that but like for how long right you know it's just like 
All right, like, are your thoughts even yeah. your thoughts anymore? What does it mean to, like, exist in some realm of existence? And, like, you can't even think the thoughts that you want to think anymore. They're just, like, thoughts of other people. Or, like, other yeah. things that other people, like, manipulated oh so gosh. that you would, like, find enjoyment in. Like, yeah. can you even call yourself a person anymore? Like, I don't, oh, my God. It's just, like, there's so many things where it's just, like, what is happening? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So now that I think about it, I actually <laughs> think it's worth a read. You should actually, really try to read it. I, yeah, what's up? I actually agree with that as well. Re- rewinding about I mean granted yes there was definitely some things that were confusing but I will say this if you are part of maybe like a book club or if there's someone else that you can yes. read it with read this book with someone else basically with someone else to, have I someone agree. to to bounce ideas off of because like reading it by yourself might be really confusing but if you have someone to talk to it really there is a lot to actually talk about here there's a lot of things yeah. to explore so yeah oh my oh. god wow Akko holy god <laughs> I'm just gonna like have <laughs> nightmares so much. Jesus Christ like oh my god oh my god but I do think that that is something to that I kind of want to talk about just uh, like that theme of like the fact that this book yes is a bit confusing it doesn't really hold your hand with a lot of the concepts and it just kind of like goes on by demonstrating sort of the definition of certain things like mm. as I guess like as a writer or just like sort of being a part of this literary experience this literary world whatever you want to call it what are the benefits and maybe like sort of, sort of similarly what are sort of the cons of of writing in a way that doesn't always like hyper accommodate a reader right like it's like I feel like we often right. are used to reading things where it's like people go out of their way to really sort of explain things in a lot of ways and I feel like I don't know, like, what, what What does it mean to write something that, like, people just have to, like, figure it out? And if they don't figure it out, they just don't figure it out. You mm. know what I mean? Like, what... Yeah. I guess what are some of the pros and cons there? That's a good question, Marcy. And I like it a lot. Because I think, on the one hand, writing is therapeutic, and it's a lot of you just putting out ideas and thinking and exploring. I think writing can also be communicative, and that's a lot of times what literature that you put out into the world is for. And so there, mm-hmm. there does have to be some, and in the same way, like sometimes you sit and you like do self-reflection in your mind and you just think your own thoughts. And sometimes you go out into the world and you communicate with someone and you kind of have to give a little and a compromise mm. when you're talking to someone. Right. I think it's the same thing with literature. So I think both, both are equally valid and good, right? You, you need both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you know, it's, there's also a question of sometimes you have a thought and you don't know if it will reach everyone, but you're like, you know what, let me put it out there and see if somebody gets what I'm mm. talking about. And I think sometimes that's what you get with a book. So if you read this book and you're like, I don't really get it. It's like, I, you know, it, I, I don't know if the author was like, I think everyone's going to get it. Sometimes you're just like, maybe I'll put it out and someone will get it and right. will see me. And I think that's what sometimes we're doing. And I, I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with that either. It's, yeah. It can be a little scary. Um, mm. But but I do think, you, you know, there's there has to be a little give. Just in like any communication style, there has right. to be some give. Right. So. That's interesting because even the the idea of taking a thought and using words to describe it, like you're already kind of like translating it in some right. capacity. In some capacity, and so I agree with you. I think there is like the fact that you're using language by nature, you're doing something that is communicative by nature. And I like the way that you frame that. I think that that idea of like this is something that I find really interesting, or something that I really kind of want to explore, and I just want to see where it lands. It's like I kind of like the idea of taking that risk to like explore an area of thought that like maybe isn't something that's part of like the zeitgeist or something that like people don't necessarily always talk about or at least explore in this fashion like i mean there's so many things here where it's like the imagination that went behind this shit like what the fuck like people coming up as people and coming down as fish what like you know like shit like that where it's just like that's so weird but it's like 
I'm happy that this medium allows people to think of concepts like that and like create, express ideas and like kind of like encourage these debates and like these thought explorations in a way where it's like, sure, it may not resonate with everybody. You may not always get it, but like people are, are willing and able to put that into the world. Like, I think that's something that I really enjoy. Well, I'm really sitting here, like, sitting with myself. Because, like, honestly, I feel like in the past, I used to have... And this kind of circles back to our first, you know, the conversation we had before we got started. Like, I used to, like, read shit and not get it and be like, bro, like, motherfuckers really out here trying to make shit exclusive and, like, hard to understand and, like, trying to be esoteric and (laughs) da-da-da-da-da. And now I'm just like... Or maybe it's just the idea of, like, sometimes people just have thoughts that they want to express maybe the thought themselves are really really complex or like maybe the idea that they want to express itself it's it's fairly simple but they just want to go about it in a different way and maybe the idea mm-hmm. isn't that people are trying to be exclusive or they're trying to be hard to understand or they're trying to like isolate readers i think it's just like i just really want to lean into like my idiosyncrasy here and just really write this in the right. way that i want to do it that like really resonates with me and let's just see what happens and i feel like that kind of framing is like it's like kind of, I don't know, I, I kind of like that. It's like, wow, like we're really like exp- exploring like the expansion of like human consciousness and like thought and like our abilities to really yeah. like understand new ideas. Although, and I agree with you, I do think that there is, because there's like an institution around writing and like Pulitzer Prizes and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. There are voices and people who are told that they can write and that their ideas are worth sharing and therefore they don't even feel idiosyncratic about what they're writing. They're like, mm. my views are the only views I really can, you know? And, right. and there are people who aren't necessarily told that their writing is, is something of worth or value. So I think you're not wrong to say that there is an elitism when it comes to, I mean, as anything is when it becomes like something that's out in the world and can be used for status, right? right. There's, there's definitely that elitist aspect to it. I don't think you're wrong in saying that. Mm-hmm. But because everyone really has the capacity to write in, in a sense or make stories or tell stories in a way right. that's not always the case, which I think is what you're pointing out too. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like, I there's, love that. yeah. So, I mean, and obviously, yeah, like you can be someone that like kind of really leans into like what award you get and things like that, which is like, obviously, I mean, whatever, that's your prerogative, but especially when I think about the message of everyone should be able to write, like, you know, write in a way that like you may not have seen yourself before, but that resonates with you. I just, mm. I like the idea of being like, yeah. And like, sometimes like, you're going to f- write things that lands with some people, sometimes doesn't yeah. with other people, and that's doesn't. fine. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, right. you can write it, even the most conventional story in the most conventional way, and there's still going to be people who just, just doesn't resonate with. And th- I think that right. just points to people's individual preferences and just sort of, like, the amount of diversity sort of within within that. So, yeah. Uh, Damn. Well. This is, <laughs> I, wow, I'm really... I'm really happy with like where this episode went because honestly, like going into this, I was like, "I go, girl, I don't this book." <laughs> I was confused, girl. Like I don't know what this is gonna be, but like I, yeah, read this book, y'all. Like, re- find yeah. a friend and read it because I think there's a lot to explore here. Yes, yes, and even though we touched on some of it, I think we can't get through all of it. So unfortunately, we're gonna we're gonna say goodbye to everyone. But yes. but but but. If you read this book and you have lots of thoughts on it, you can email us at thesecolorpages at gmail.com. You can visit our website, thesecolorpages.com. 
you can follow us on Twitter at the Color Pages. Yes. Um, or you could just listen to our more of our podcasts um, on Spotify or Apple or wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah. But um, and if you really enjoy what you're listening, you know, maybe just you know, maybe I leave like a little like a little uh, five star review or whatever. Um, <laughs> we would love to get some more ratings and things like that. It really definitely helps to build exposure and kind of like build this community. And yeah, so if you like what you hear, please by all means, we will, we will be zero percent mad if y'all. Were like yo aqua marcy like our litty and we'll be like oh my god like <laughs> <laughs> right um <laughs> it so, yeah, literally so, make our day <laughs> so if it's your prerogative just feel free feel free but yes aqua is there anything else that we should leave our listeners with before we head out hmm, well i don't have anything but until we see you guys next time remember to stay, stay-